You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope, although we did pretty well on our picks. At the end of the day, I was 3-1. and one. Alex hits his lock of the week, and off we go. Week 13, a lot of interesting matchups this week. Uh, we've got a lot to get to. We'll take a look back real quick on some things that we thought were interesting. But uh, let's bring in my partner here, Alex Kaptov. Alex, how are we going to kick this off? What do you think? Mike White, Zach Wilson, what do we got? Let's start with the Jets uh, because we uh, we criticized them. Not that we didn't support the fact that, that Zach Wilson should get benched. I mean, he hasn't done much this season ever since he returned from that injury. But you and I questioned why Mike White is getting the starting nod. And all of a sudden he comes out and he's looking like Joe Montana out there. I mean, he's just... He's throwing the ball around. I mean, he played mistake-free football. He threw for three touchdowns. He led the Jets to a win. And I could say led the Jets to a win because he was kind of at the forefront of it all. And then you start questioning. I mean, what are you going to do with Zach Wilson now? I mean, are you going to look for a trading partner? Are the Jets going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft again? Because it looks like they probably given up on their young quarterback, even though publicly they haven't said so. But I'm sure that's more of a, a kind of a, a ploy by the front office, by the coaches. Are they going to come out and say that we've given up on our young quarterback that we have uh, drafted number two overall a couple of years ago? They're not going to do that. Obviously, they're going to use it, make him as the third quarterback, you know, not showcase him anymore. I don't think the Jets are going to draft a quarterback in next year's draft, but I do think they're going to look for a veteran presence to kind of solidify that team because they've got the running game and they've got the defense and they're basically a quarterback away. But be careful. Some other teams invested in veteran quarterbacks this offseason and certainly hasn't worked out that way. Well, shout out to a couple of different people. I mean, first off, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, right? Because, you know, Bailey Zappi came in and everybody, oh, my God, what's going on here? And he didn't look like a rookie. Uh, Mike White, on a couple of occasions last year, you know, he had a couple of good games and then he kind of came back down to earth. So I don't know if Mike White is really their answer moving forward. Let's see. You know, obviously, you know, he's got the he's got some juice. Uh, they like him in that locker room. And, oh, by the way, Elijah Moore makes makes a resurgence. Uh, caught a couple of balls, you know, scored a touchdown. But Garrett Wilson, all of a sudden, hey, hey, we got we got some weapons here. Let's just get him the ball. So I think what Sala got out of his change was what he was looking for. It's not so much a guy that's going to carry us, but somebody that's just not going to screw it up. Convert third downs, make the plays, make the easy play. He said it in his words, made the easy plays look easy. And maybe that was a little dig at, at Zach Wilson because I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he, I don't know, I don't want to say he forgot how to play, but he's just something's going on in his head. I don't know what. I mean, some story came out that. I don't know. He there was a pass play called and he ends up, you know, he he hands off 
and you know and just all sorts of things coming from the from the Jets locker room and just they don't need that noise you I mean you put it uh, great as far as what what they got going for them defense special team I mean everything is in place and I think it's in place a lot quicker than they had expected and they probably thought the quarterback was going to be kind of coming along and here he isn't um yeah I don't know where the hell they go from here because do you just give up on him um I don't know I mean obviously let's see what, what Mike White does hell if he gets him into the playoffs yeah, that's going to be something we're going to be talking about all summer, I think, through through the spring, probably. Uh, he and probably Jimmy G, and maybe they switch jerseys. Who knows? But at, at very least, uh, I think there's a, there's a case to be made for Jimmy G coming east. One of the New York teams might be interested. You mentioned some of the uh, veteran quarterbacks that, that aren't doing so well. A little bit off air, we talked about this. It's just... How and, and well, just real quick, Alex. I mean, how far the bloom has come and off, come off the Russell Wilson rose. Uh, I mean, this is just. I mean, is even for people that didn't think that this was going to be as good as everybody was thinking it was going to be. You know, like oh, geez, they're going to win the division. This is going to be per. Oh, that's all they needed. You know, okay. I don't know. I mean, it's it's really not working well at all. I mean, it's it's ugly. He lost to Sam Darnold, and then the insult to injury, they're so bad, they got Patrick Mahomes flexed out of a Sunday night football game coming up here uh, next week. The Chiefs-Broncos game is supposed to be on, a, on Sunday night football. And they're so bad, and Russ is so bad, they got him flexed out. But, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, quarterbacks, again, it's a quarterback league. Whether it's positive, negative, indifferent, there's always going to be stories about the quarterbacks. Uh, we got another young guy coming up. Seems like he's starting to get it. Trevor Lawrence uh, coming on, cutting down on the mistakes, making some plays over the last few games. And I think just the whole – Doug Peterson influence is really starting to show. Now, again, we can speak about the Baltimore meltdowns, and, and we will. But uh, that was that was a very good performance by him on Sunday coming down the stretch. And then, I mean, if you know Doug Peterson, it was almost a, a foregone conclusion. Hey, they score here. That's the first thing that came to mind. They score. He's going for two. I don't think there's – he's not even – thinking it. I mean, it's like, hey, we score a touchdown, we're going for two, and damn it, they did. They got the two-point conversion. Now, Baltimore still got a chance at a, what, 67-yard field goal, and geez, it looked like it was good from where I was sitting, but it was well short. But anyway, what do you think? Trevor Lawrence, uh, are we in now? Are we, are, we, are we starting to see what we all thought we were going to see? It took some time, and obviously he went through that mess with Urban Meyer, in his rookie season, which wasn't healthy for the entire team and, and for Trevor Lawrence. But now they have a real coach. And, yeah, I think we're seeing the real Trevor Lawrence emerge. Hopefully this game is kind of the start of something really positive and something good, something that he can rely on, something that gives him confidence the, for the rest of the season. It gives confidence to the team as well when the coach is, is willing to go for it, for the win. For the two-point conversion in the end, he's not settling for the tie in order to go into overtime. And I'm, I'm glad that these coaches are willing to take risks like this. 
Peterson does it. Brandon Staley did the same thing because he knew that if he goes into overtime, maybe, you know, it, it could go either way. We win it here right now at the end of the game when the team is confident, when they got the touchdown, we're going to put it away. Even if it doesn't work out, you know, the, the team is behind me, the offense. I mean, it gives a lot of confidence in the team, the fact that the coach is willing to, to trust them to win it there at the end. So I love that. I love when coaches get aggressive. I like when they go for the win and not just try to be cowards and, and settle for the tie and get into overtime. Uh, that's when you get rewarded out there. And hopefully, again, this is the start of something good for Trevor Lawrence where, where he can string together a really good second half of the season until the end. And it will give him confidence going forward in year three. And speaking of going for two, uh, a similar scenario with the Chargers against Arizona. Uh, now, Brandon Staley last year was, I mean, accused of, geez, you know, he's being reckless with the with these, you know, fourth down, you know, fourth and short calls in his own end, going for two all the time, chasing points. But in this case, I think it was more calculated. I think in watching them play this year, he's been more calculated with it. And Doug Peterson, again, I mean, he's, I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the Philly special in the Super Bowl, onside kicks. I mean, he's always had that that aggressive mentality, and that kind of comes so, somewhat from from Andy Reid in, in some cases. But I, I just like the fact that they're not so married to analytics that, okay, the book says this is what we do. In certain cases, you know, you got to know your team and know what you're doing. And, and even if Jacksonville didn't doesn't have such a great one-loss record, like you said, Alex, Peterson is laying the foundation of who we are, the confidence he has in his guy, in his team that, hey, we win together, we lose together. But, hell, we're going to we're going to be all in on these decisions. And it worked out. And I think he's setting a, a culture there of winning. I, I think it's like the first time they'd come back in, in that sort of fashion in the fourth quarter in some time. Now, speaking on the other side of that is, okay, now did Baltimore melt down again? Um, we saw it against Buffalo. We saw it against Miami. I mean, they had these, these teams on the ropes in the fourth quarter. And I think it's easy to point to the defense and say, well, you know, no Wink Martindale. Uh, had some, you know, some changes on the defensive line. You know, they, they bring on Roquan Smith. So you figure, okay, they're getting healthier in the back end. Peters comes back. Humphrey's out now, so it's just been a revolving doors on that side. But how about the offense? Don't they need to be – I mean, you're talking about complementary football. How about we run the ball because that is our identity in the fourth quarter, you know, four-minute drill, six-minute, whatever you want to call it. Let's run the ball and just, you know, give our defense a break sometimes and not put it all on them, put them in bad situations in the fourth. So I think they need to convert a little bit. And this, some of this is on, on Lamar, you know, quite frankly, because he's the one with the ball in his hand. So uh, you got to look at the, the whole picture, I think. Yes, the defense has to do there. But I think the offense, you know, from my perspective, when the defense is in such flux, they have to say, hey, we need to hold on to the ball longer and not give these teams opportunities to come back on us. When you look at the Ravens' schedule, and when you look at the Ravens' record right now, they're 7-4, and four, but they've lost three games 
with fewer than 15 seconds left on the clock. So technically, this team at this point could be 10-1 and one if it wasn't for those meltdowns like in the fourth quarter. And that's amazing Like when you look at it. When a team loses like that, when it basically has its game, the game secured like in the fourth quarter, in the last like two minutes. I mean, it's almost like a psychological breakdown within the team because you feel like you've already secured the win that you that you're going to come out victorious in this game and all of a sudden it's taken away from you at the end of the game whether it's the defense letting you down or like forcing turnovers or Lamar not playing well in the fourth quarter I'm worried about the Ravens because it's really tough to recover it almost like it stays in your head and it's just it reminds you every time you start thinking about it. Instead of just playing the game, you start being more cautious. You start like just, you know, in a way, you start always like playing it inside your mind that, hey, this is going to happen again in the last 15 minutes of the game. So I think it takes away from your mentality. Lamar is not the same quarterback. The offense is being more cautious. The defense might not be calling as many blitzes and going after the opposing quarterback. So, again, to me, I'm looking at the Ravens, and I'm just seeing a lot of like a psychological effect that's almost like haunting this team. And I think it's it's going to cause them problems moving forward. And the Bengals are breathing right down their neck. The Bengals are playing better defense. The, you know, Joe Burrow is getting it together. Chase is going to come back. The Bengals are hitting their stride. And, and right now, I'm just, I'm not even sure. Like, the Ravens are a really good team, but I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. Well, let's just say these close games. I mean, winning them is a mentality. Losing them, to your point, is a mentality as well. And you just, you know, again, you get into a playoff situation you got to be everybody's got to be dialed in everybody's got to be on point and you know fortunately for them the Denver Broncos come calling uh to Baltimore this weekend so I, I think they should be able to uh you know sh- close the door on that game fairly quickly uh okay so Monday night uh the Colts are playing the Steelers and it was again a strange game and if you weren't a fan of either team Watching it, I mean, it was from a fantasy perspective or you bet the game because otherwise there was no reason to watch that game. But, you know, you had some decent performances. I thought Kenny Pickett played really well. Uh, Didn't make any huge, huge plays, but he didn't make any huge mistakes. Uh, Missed Pickens in the end zone once. But other than that, I thought he played a really good game. Uh, now, on the other side, again, a lot has been said here. I mean, down the stretch, uh, the last drive of the game for the Colts, they really weren't making any big plays. I think the biggest play they made was almost like a jump ball that uh, Ryan had thrown to Pittman to start that drive off because they were deep in their own end. But uh, they're sitting there with three timeouts. You don't have a very explosive team, and they're just letting this clock wind down like you know, if you're like, I don't know, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, any one of the top quarters, Brady, Rodgers, you could slow play and say, OK, we're going to take our time scoring here. But this isn't a team that you can do that with. I mean, they, they've struggled to move the ball all night. But to me, just it just seemed like, again, just they didn't know what they were doing. Honestly, I, I think they had a plan. 
at, at first they said, well, we thought we had plenty of time, but they were in disarray. The big play when Ryan, to me, when he makes the scramble and he makes a, he was almost looking for somebody to tackle him. But I think if he stays on his seat, he probably could have got the first down without too much trouble. But either way, time out. I wish they would have had a Manning cast on this game because Peyton would have been losing his freaking mind, and that would have just been awesome television. Time out, time out, time out, and there's and just tick, 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 tick. I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like tearing my hair. Like, what are they doing? Come on. So I don't know. After you know, again, after the game, there was one message we thought we had enough time. And then the next day, Saturday, kind of walked it back and said, I wish I would have called timeout after that scramble. Thought we had them on the run, but, you know, whatever. But it's just mismanagement. It's like they had this whole, uh, when Reich was there, like a huge wing of uh, analytics people and, and, and time management and so forth. Now it's like, well, no, we don't really want that. We want a coach with some feel and some gut and there you have it. So I, it was just ugly to watch. It was scary, you know, from a Colts perspective, it, you know, a winnable game. They, but I don't know. Man. I mean, I they, think, would, they would have got in overtime with a touchdown. And the, the touchdown was not a lock, right? I, but you got to call time out there. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, it was just a huge blunder. And you... I mean, I, I understand that Jeff Saturday was, was never a head coach before at this level, but the Colts made the decision to bring him here. He's an all-time great for this organization. He played with Peyton, so he's a smart guy. I mean, we watched him uh, as an analyst out there. But it's another thing when you're thrown into the fire and you haven't been there. And, you know, the like you mentioned, his attempt to kind of – justify why he didn't call the to simply makes no sense like at the end of the game like when he came out it probably would have been better to just say you know guys i messed up that's it i i lost track of the down i lost track of the clock <laughs> well he I did mean, he i appreciate did that the next yeah he did that the next day well I, i'm glad he did i'm glad he did and i'm also surprised that matt ryan didn't react okay yeah. matt ryan has been in the situations before I mean, he's Matty Ice. He has he's had so many comebacks in the fourth quarter in the last two minutes, and I'm just surprised that his quarterback, the veteran quarterback who's been to the playoffs, who's been to the Super Bowl, doesn't just call the timeout there because I think. Do you think because yeah? Because I'm thinking you know in in just a normal situation where it's like, hey Matt, at any point if you you know you feel like we need a timeout, go ahead and call it, or is it hey? You know, two-minute drill or last minute of the game, you know, you just focus on the next play, we'll call timeout from the sideline. So maybe that's why he didn't call it. I don't know because it just seems like it would have been such such a thing. Hey, as soon as he went down, just come up, look at the ref, timeout. You know, I mean, that would, would have just been the most natural thing and nobody would have blinked. I think a quarterback of his stature has the ability to call a timeout you at would any think. time. Yeah. I just think whether he is going for that run and sliding, whether he's completing the pass in the middle of the field, whether, um, you know, he, he doesn't see something that, he, you know, he sees something on the field that he doesn't like. I mean, he has to have that power, that ability to call a timeout. And I think 
a guy of his stature can definitely pull the trigger at any time, and I don't think Jeff Saturday would have had a problem with it. That's what was I'd so like. I would like to hear like a like a recording of what was going on on the headsets between the the press the the coach's box, the sideline, and then into Ryan. Was there any was there any discussion? Was anybody saying anything? You've got a rookie first time play caller. Right. He's like 31 years old or 30. Never called plays before. Uh, You've got a coach that is coaching in his third game ever at the pro level. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, Ryan should have just said, you know what, (laughs) I'm not hearing anything I like. I'm calling timeout. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not dying on this ship. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to take charge here. So I'm with you there. Lou, it was just a pivotal play of the game. It was third and three, I believe. It had three timeouts in hand. The Colts were like at the Steelers 40 yard line. It was an easy decision to kind of give your offense a breather. Almost kind of regroup. Yeah, I mean, even if he doesn't doesn't call it there, certainly before the fourth down play. Because the third down play, he hands off. Now, this is is an all-timer. You hand off, you got to be thinking, if he doesn't get it, we're calling timeout because we're running the ball. The clock is going to keep moving. And they still don't. And then it seemed like the fourth down call was really hurried, like, oh, we got him on the run. You haven't made plays all night. Come on, get you know, get yourself in the huddle, get the play call, get the right call that you want, what the quarterback likes, and, and give ourselves a chance. You know, maybe they don't win the game, but at very least they would have had a better chance of getting a first down and playing out the rest of the game versus, well, shoot, <laughs> they're going to take a knee, we lose. So yeah, that just seems really, that was think, just hard to watch. Do you think? When the Colts made that move with Saturday, do you think it was a move to basically say, most likely if he does well, he's going to be our head coach moving forward? I mean, what do you I think, think like, would, that front think office would, is thinking? I think they would offer it to him. I mean, just the way I mean, the way it's been kind of laid out where he's very tight with the owner. Uh, he actually had been consulting with the team and, and been around the team a lot. Uh, not that he was coaching or anything like that, but just kind of observing. But just, I guess, having an idea of what Ursay's mentality is, or and that's a scary thought in and of itself, but just his, I guess, affection, if you would. I mean, if Peyton Manning wasn't, I mean, obviously he would want Manning coaching the team before anybody else, but Peyton's not doing that. He's doing, he's having way too much fun doing what he's doing and making plenty of money. So, but I, yeah, absolutely. I think if they were making progress and winning, winning games here at the end, or at least the team was playing harder and was in these games, uh, I certainly think he is going to be among the, you know, if they're going to have to comply with the Rooney rule at the end of the year. So yeah, some, some other people are going to have to be interviewed, but I'm sure if uh, it was even close, Ursay is going to give him the nod. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think he's still going to be their first candidate. I think the move that they made to get him and not just promote, you know, an offensive or a defensive coordinator on the staff, 
I think that's a move that basically signals that that Saturday is going to be their their leading candidate moving forward for the full time job. But he's got to do better with this clock management stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of coaches screw this up. I mean, not not to this degree, I don't think. But you know, you do see, you know, week in week out, some guys just it, it, it just gets out of control, and you just wonder. I would again would love to hear recordings of you know, are there like ten guys screaming into the you know into the headsets, the offensive staff, the play caller, uh, the head coach? I mean, is it just chaos? I'm sure some teams it's a lot smoother than others, and they just leave it in the hands of their, you know, superstar quarterback. But uh, in this case, I honestly think it was one of those things. Hey, this is the way we're going to run it, and if the timeout's coming, it's coming from the sideline. Because uh, otherwise, I, I I don't know if it, I'm sure somebody in the media asked um, Matt Ryan after the game or during the week. Uh, I'm sure he gave the company answer, you know, so not to throw anybody under the bus, but be something before. Because Matt, Matt Ryan knows what the hell's up and he's been in those situations before. I'm sure if that was the case, he would have just gone. And even if it would, that's the other thing, though, is forget that. Like I said, I'm not dying on this ship. I'm calling the timeout. So anyway. uh, All right. So other quarterbacks, we talked about some of these veteran quarterbacks, uh, Sunday night game, Aaron Rodgers really, really in pain. Came out early this week. He finally had to admit. Um, I guess I don't know if there was a, there was a kid podcast or some show he was on. Asked him, and he admitted that his thumb is broken uh, on his throwing hand. And so you know there have been some I mean whispers about it. Like what you know, what's going on? He's like missing a lot of throws. So anyway, he's got that going, and then he gets hitting the ribs during the game. Jordan Love has to come in, and you're thinking, wow, this is like the perfect storm for them to just punt on the season. Let Jordan Jordan Love play the rest of the year out. Let's see what we have, either to trade Jordan Love or to maybe trade Aaron Rodgers. You know, I mean, his contract is set up where it seems like it's a year-to-year thing. Maybe he would want to, I don't know, go back to San Francisco. Who knows? Uh, when I say that, go back. I mean, he's from California, but uh, I don't know. But I, I, Jordan Love, I don't know. I mean, he he looked to me. Now again, it's a couple of drives, but to me, it looked like he a much different player than when he started against the Chiefs or anything in preseason. I think the fact that Aaron wasn't there all off season really helped him out. He just looks like a completely different player. The confidence. He was throwing into tight windows. I don't know. He missed a couple of, but it, it looked like more drops. Uh, just looked like a much more, just the body language, just to me, looks like that's a different dude. And he made some plays in the game. But I got to believe that uh, Green Bay, I mean, it, it would do them well to do to go that route, wouldn't it? The Packers are 4-8 and eight right now. It is nearly impossible for them to make the playoffs. Like, you picked the Vikings in the beginning of the season, and they've, they've run away with this division. So the Packers aren't rebounding. They're not making the playoffs. Let's not make illusions. This is not a playoff team. So uh, you drafted Jordan Love in the first round. There's a reason why you did that, because you thought that he could replace Aaron Rodgers eventually. So he should get the starting nod the rest of the way. 
I mean, he is, he looks like he's probably the future. You should find out a way, like you should find out what you have moving forward. And this is the only way you can do this. String together, you know, what you have, like uh, how many games left? Five? Five games left? I mean, you have to find out what Jordan Love is made of. You still don't know. They have to win them all. I mean, they are mathematically still in it just because, you know, the bottom of the NFC is kind of kind of a jumbled mess, but I mean, a lot of things <laughs> would have to happen for them. And then I just don't think they're good enough to run the table. But you know, I think, and I think he said it on the on the McAfee show, his weekly appearance, that Rogers like, hey, I'm feeling okay. I'm gonna, you know, as long as he's thinks he's okay, he's gonna go. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tap him on the shoulder and he says he wants to play. We're paying him $50 million. I mean, I could make a case either way. But, you know, the Jordan Love thing, he's coming up. You know, they got to make a decision on his fifth-year option. You can't wait much longer. And you're either showcasing him for a trade. You want to see what you can get in a trade. Let him, you know, let him show everybody how good he is. Or, hey, I've made that turn. It's Everything's kind of sinking in, whatever. I'm a lot more confident now. I know the playbook a lot better. Whatever it was, this is who he is. Okay, we have an asset here. Are we going to keep it? Or we can use it to get some other pieces for Aaron Rodgers for the next year or two. So he's got to get in there, If it, even if, if not this week, very soon. Common sense, Luke. Common sense should tell you that Jordan Love should start. But I don't think anybody inside that Packers organization, whether it's the front office or the coaches, nobody's going (laughs) to sit Aaron Rodgers down. Nobody's going to be ballsy enough to pull that trigger like that. Yeah. Yeah. He pretty much, they pretty much gave him uh, the keys to the whatever when they signed this contract made the moves they did or, or didn't make and um let Devonte adams go which god that just looks really stupid right now but hey you know they they've got their franchise quarterback and uh yeah he's he's running the ship so let's see they play the bear they're in chicago and of course he famously owns them and will tell you if if you you weren't sure. Uh, so that's an easy game. I would think that that's an easy game for them unless Justin Fields, you know, is able to play. Then all of a sudden it's not so easy. So uh, let's see what happens there. Uh, we're looking at some some teams are, are making moves. Right. I mean, and. The question was, or the, when we were talking about this, was maybe like, who's you know who's the hot team right now? And, and there's a few. Um, I mean, Miami's you know looking pretty good right now, and is hot, if you would. San Francisco is a hot team right now. The Bengals are a hot team right now. I'm gonna, you know, I'll take a lot of flack for, from this, but the Chiefs are they hot? Are they just consistent? I don't know, but I'm gonna say they're hot because they've been winning, you know, for the last several weeks. And don't look now, but the fighting Heineke's, I'm telling you, Alex, the commanders, watch out, watch out. Riverboat Ron's got them moving in the right direction. So I don't know. I couldn't come up with who's the hottest. I, I get, I'm going to go with the fighting Heineke's because they're six and one in their last seven. Uh, they're playing much better you know, with Heineke than they were with Wentz. 
Uh, I believe Chase Young is going to be active this week. Their interior defensive line is playing great. They've got this. They've got some good skill position players. Brian Robinson is playing well. This is I don't. This is going to be a scary team. I think coming down the stretch. This is one of those teams that this time of year you don't want to play because again they run the ball, they play good defense, and they're not making turnovers. So here we go. I'm going to be a homer here. Hello, Niners. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. They're they're. Uh, Scary. I, to me, that's the scariest team in the NFC. Well, I mean, you've been you've been on their bandwagon. You've been, you know, you you picked them, I think, to go to the Super Bowl. You last you really, year. I the only reason I didn't this year. This you year picked the Packers this year. Yeah, I didn't want to. I don't want to have the same pick, you know, two years in a row. But it, I just kick myself every time because, especially with McCaffrey now and getting healthy on defense. The, uh, this isn't a homer pick, Alex. This is this is you being true to what you see. Uh, they're seven and four. They've won four in a row. Uh, I always say dip, defense wins championships. That's what they always say. So yeah, I'll go with the Niners here because what they did against the Saints last week. I mean, they smothered them. I mean, they they only allowed. I'm looking at the stats here. 260 total yards. They forced two fumbles. Nick Bosa came out with the sack. He has 11 and a half sacks now. The Saints had five possessions inside the 49ers territory and scored zero points. I mean, that's deep. That defense is Super Bowl worthy. And the they're red just not rifle. giving it up. Come on, Andy Dalton, what are you doing? They're they're proving themselves as the best defense in the NFL. So um, I'm going to say that And the next question is, like, which team are you going to pick, the Chiefs offense or the 49ers defense? I'm also rolling with the 49ers defense. I think they're the hottest team. You don't want to play them. The addition of Christian McCaffrey makes them, you know, more lethal on offense, even though we haven't seen it. I think still the presence of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they're going to get it done, and I think they're primed to to continue this trend. But the game against the Dolphins this week, that's going to be a huge test for this defense because you know that coaching staff knows the 49ers' defense really well. Tua is playing well. The Dolphins are on a winning streak of their own. So this is going to be a very difficult game for the 49ers, and we're going to find out the, the true worth of the Niners this week against the Dolphins. Well. Four straight games, zero points allowed in the second half. Uh, uh, so that tells you a little bit. Yeah, you know, just the concerning part is they only scored 13, you know, against New Orleans. Now, New Orleans has a, has a good defense, but there have been, you know, they've given up points, you know, throughout the season, and they haven't been nearly as good as they have in the past. So that's the only concerning thing is with that offense that they have and all these weapons, how they're, you know, not scoring more points. You know, they struggled a little bit with with the Chargers, uh, I think, when they, it was at 22 to 16 or something like that. So a pretty low scoring game. So I guess what it comes down to is this, and I, I and I guess it's like a you know radio show type question, but okay, you're you're four point four point, you're down four points, right? Would you rather have the Chiefs' offense, or would you rather have the protecting the lead with the San Francisco defense on the field? After and you're going watch, with the defense. <laughs> after watching Patrick Mahomes and what he did against the Chargers live, 
Okay, I can't possibly go against him. I mean, there's no other quarterback that I would want in that that two minute warning situation. I want the ball. Right. So you Mahomes either need you, you need the you, you you're either need the touchdown. You know, if you're taking Mahomes, or you're protecting, you know, against the touchdown. Which unit do you want on the field? And it just seems it just the way that the league is and the way it's set up for offenses to succeed. You know, maybe we've normalized what Patrick Mahomes does, especially late in games. Now, he's not perfect, but it just seems like you were sitting in the stadium. It when, when And I think we talked about it last week when the Chargers scored that touchdown. What's the first thing you're thinking? There's like too much all, time, too much time on the clock. All, there's all day. I mean, it was it was near almost two minutes. I think they had two or three timeouts left. I mean, they, they could slow play, you know, I guess what the what the Colts were trying to do is score and not leave any time on the clock, whereas the Chiefs still left time on the clock, which was, it was kind of weird. But anyway, the, yeah, so it, it's just hard to, to take a def in this day and age of the NFL to take a defense to protect the lead versus, you know, again, in, and there's only a handful of guys you're going to do that with. I would think, you know, Burrow, you're going to run, you're going to ride with him. Mahomes, you're going to ride with him. You're probably going to ride with Josh Allen, but eh, maybe you're, maybe you're thinking about it. Uh, Brady, eh, still to some degree, maybe you would side with the offense, but uh, comebacks. Speaking of comebacks, wow. Deshaun Watson's going to make his debut. Hasn't played in, I don't know, it seems like 20 years, but it's in a couple of seasons. Houston is a horrific team right now. Early in the season, they were kind of fighting. And, you know, I picked them a couple of times as underdogs. And they were, you know, they were kind of in games and covering sometimes. But, you know, the, the wheels have come off. I mean, this is just terrible so they probably don't draw a lot of people how many people are you think going to come to the game this weekend just so they can boo Deshaun Watson how many women do you think are going to show up I would imagine outside the stadium there's going to be protesters everything else I think some of the accusers the attorneys are bringing them to the game now it's just a handful maybe three or four women but this is just going to be an insane scene. I, I mean, nobody, I don't think too many people are going to watch this, you know, unless you're a sicko like me. And if it's in the, uh, is it in the one o'clock window or is yes. it late? I think it's, I think it's in the one o'clock window. So maybe I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tune in just to watch a little bit of it just to see how the whole thing shakes out. But just from a theater standpoint and just trying to see like the theater of the absurd, how this goes and how loud that stadium can get when Deshaun's on the field, that I think is going to be worth the price of admission. Bad publicity is still good publicity for the NFL. I mean, I can't imagine like them when the schedule was released and they were looking at it, it's like, how long can we suspend Deshaun Watson for? Oh, until <laughs> that Houston Texans. Let's bring him Texans. back to Houston. Right? Let's bring him back for the Houston Texans game. It's just, it's amazing that, you know, I don't think many people are going to watch, but I think a lot of people are still going to show up to that stadium and boo him. I mean, that's just, 
That's the nature of the beast. I mean, that's how it is. Plus, he's coming back against the Texans, his old team, uh, the worst team in football right now. So I expect Deshaun Watson to put on a clinic, even though he, he might be a bit rusty coming out of the gate. I picked him up for fantasy, Lowe. So he can take me home to the playoffs and win it for me. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, I just I, I made a calculated move. I needed help at the quarterback position. I know Deshaun Watson is going to make the difference for me there. So I expect them to, you know, put up over 300 yards and, and score like three or four touchdowns in this game. Well, I, I think that, well, I, again, I don't know. I can't get inside the mind of Browns fans, but it's got to be kind of like bittersweet as well. I mean, I I'm sure, you know, maybe once they see, you know, if he comes out and there's, you know, there's not a lot of rust and he's making plays that you expect Deshaun Watson to make, all of a sudden, yeah, the fans are going to be like, oh, geez, wow, this, <laughs> this ain't bad. If he scores scores a few touchdowns, they win the game, and like, oh, okay. But, you know, if it, there's some rust or whatever, you know, maybe then it starts to seep in just the whole personal side of this and just kind of like the morality of the situation. But anyway, it's just, you know, great theater. But, you know, for from on one end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, there is a lot of intriguing games. You mentioned the Dolphins going to San Francisco. Sign me up for that. I mean, if the Chiefs and the, and the Bengals aren't playing at this exact same time, I'm watching that game just because, like you said, as, as well as – you know, the Dolphins uh, staff knows the, the Niners uh, defense. Certainly <laughs> the Niners know what what that offense is going to be coming into the game as well. So it's just like mirror images. And I don't that this is one of those over my dead body games. No way is Kyle Shanahan going to lose to Mike McDaniel. At least that's my thought. And by the same token, over my dead body, Patrick Mahomes cannot lose to Joe Burrow three times in a row. He just his son was born early this week. Patrick uh, Bronze, Levon Mahomes, the third. I think Bronze does. I think it it it, it must signify that he's the third. I, I don't know. But uh, so anyway, he's got he's got his son. He. Yeah, this is gonna. This is an over my dead body game for the Chiefs, but again, will not be in the pick section. Uh, the Chargers and the and the Raiders now, you know, sign me up for that one too. This may be that AFC West matchup that that we were that we were hoping for. The the Raiders seem to be playing a little bit better. Two straight overtime walk offs, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Who, by the way, my God, you talk about a guy. He's playing with a chip on his shoe. He's having a career year. They didn't offer him his fifth-year option. What's he going to command? Now, again, he's a running back. but uh, So, I mean, those three games in the late window and then early, I mean, we t- the fighting Heineke's are playing the, the Giants. This could be definitely for playoff seeding. Both of them are in as we speak right now, but they play each other again after a bye week, and they play uh, twice in a row. Right. I think the Giants have somebody else in there, but the uh, Washington plays the Giants. Then they're off. Then they play the Giants again. How about the Jets in Minnesota? Mike White going to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins. You talk what a quarterback matchup that is. Tennessee and Philadelphia. So there's a lot of good matchups this week. Yeah, my, my lock of the week. I vowed that I won't pick this team again this season. But I'm changing my tune. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers on the road against the Raiders. 
the Raiders, it's plus, it's minus one and a half. The Chargers are minus one and a half on the road. Uh, I'm going with Los Angeles here to to put uh, the, the Raiders away. Even though, again, it's on the road. It's a division game. It's going to be tough. The, Ra- the Raiders are riding high after their two-game winning streak, coming off that overtime win, the exciting win. And you mentioned Josh Jacobs, you know, going over 300 yards. So I'm going with Justin Herbert here. After that two-point conversion, I think the Chargers are are going to be, you know, they're they're in the in the playoff race. They know they have to win, and this is the this is the game they have to have. So I'm I'm going with Los Angeles here for my lock okay. of the week. All right. So uh, one of my games is actually I'm taking Vegas plus the one and a half at, at home. Just. You know, obviously Josh Jacobs doing what he's been doing, but Max Crosby's having a great year. Uh, Devontae Adams is having a great year. So, again, it, it just I'm not sure what the issues are. Uh, now, granted, again, two straight road overtime wins. One was in Denver, so we know the dysfunction there. Seattle's obviously has come back down to earth, but I think we got a little momentum going now with Las Vegas and the Chargers always seemed, you know, it's going to be a close game. Maybe it is a one-point game one way or the other, but yeah, I'm banking on the on the Raiders at home. Um I'm going to take Detroit. Detroit as a one and a half point underdog at home against Jacksonville. Now, God bless the Jaguars. We talked about them earlier in the show. Uh, Close game at the end. Yes, Ravens are a much better team. But Detroit, you saw them, you know, how they had a legitimate shot at winning that game. Now, again, you talk about clock management. We didn't really talk about that. Dan Campbell at the end of that game, what what the hell they were doing. It was so much time, and they, they really weren't going for – it seemed like they were going for the touchdown. It was almost like they were playing for the field goal, and they ended up almost screwing that up and, you know, trying a 51-yarder. made it. But anyway, I'm going to stick with the fighting Dan Campbells here. Take Detroit plus one and a half. Uh, I'm staying with the Heineke's minus one and a half. This goes against typically the way I go. Uh, don't like being the, the road favorite, but I'm going because I like Chase Young coming back. The Giants very limited offensively. No, not many explosive plays. Go with Washington there. And then again, over my dead body, uh, not taking the Chiefs. But I'm taking the Niners, minus three and a half against Miami. Let's see them go on the road on the West Coast. Uh, McDaniel versus Shanahan. I just don't see how the San Francisco's defense is better than, I believe, the Miami offense. Uh, Maybe they hit some big plays. I'm, I'm just not feeling it. I just think this is the spot that Shanahan flexes his muscles offensively showing some things maybe to the kid that was his assistant for like 14 years at at every stop. But uh, I'm going to go with San Francisco. So three and one last week, 25, 16 and one on the season. So, wow, I'm even surprised at myself here. Didn't think we'd be doing this well, but uh, let's go. Four more winners, Alex. Let's do it. Congratulations, Lou. I mean, you've bounced back after, you know, getting off to a rough spot, rough rough start. start. Yes. And then you've bounced back and just continue to go with your dogs and uh, just 
you have your own strategy and it's working for you. By the way, before we get out of here, I wanted to mention the World Cup is going on right now. Uh, I'm a big fan of soccer. I've got TV in the background, muted right now. Argentina is playing against Poland. Argentina is winning two to nothing. It looks like it's going to win, you know, its its division and going to propel them to the next round. So, um, soccer, you know, stay tuned. There's going to be a huge game in a couple of game uh, in a couple of days when the U.S. will take on the Netherlands, Holland. So that that should be a good one. And um, you know, I'm always watching it, Lou. Saturday, yeah, absolutely. I watched the U.S. Uh, Iran. Uh, this team, a very young team. I think it's the second youngest team in the tournament. Uh, uh, they're very athletic, a lot of speed. I mean, it's just a, a team that you probably – it's one of those teams that you have a hard time – like the traditional team would have a hard time playing against just because they're everywhere, a lot of pace. The only thing they lack, and I'm sure you would agree, is they don't have that uh, assassin they don't have that, you know, striker that's just is going to be the goal scorer. They do. I mean, a lot has to come off of counters, maybe some set, some set plays, set pieces, if you would. Uh, but Pulisic made the big, big play. I mean, obviously, Dest made the made the cross and was a great pass in and uh, just a fun team to watch. You know, I don't know how far they go. But uh, they they certainly are going to get their money's worth, and was a lot of fun to watch them uh, in that game. And uh, they got the goal, and uh, hopefully they they find their way and score some more goals moving forward. Because um, yeah, just like I said, fun to watch, young team, a lot of energy. It's a fun tournament always, you know, every four years. And right now it's on the African continent. It's taking place in the fall in November, which is a bit weird, but because of the weather, because it's so hot there. Usually we're, we're so used to seeing the World Cup in the summertime, right? But, you know, it's, it's a great tournament. Uh, still a lot of good teams, Argentina, Brazil, France. Uh, they're on to the next round, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to those games the rest of the way and, and this weekend, like you said. USA, we believe, we believe, we believe. All right, gang, that's going to do it for us this week for my partner, Alex, I'm Lou on the way out. Ooh.